Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab, which is a member-led, inclusive global networking community for fashion, beauty, wellness, retail, and consumer luxury professionals. Every week, two members interview each other, so you'll get to hear two different stories. I hope you'll learn from these stories, listen to them, share them, and join us and tell your own story. Hi, everyone. This is the CoLab Career Stories podcast. I'm Thoral Patel-Hughes. I'm a lawyer turned business consultant, fashion entrepreneur. And today I have the pleasure of chatting with Swati Argade, a New York City-based sustainable fashion designer, retailer, educator, and entrepreneur with over 15 years of experience in the fashion industry. Swati is the founder of retail brand Boomki, which has a location in Park Slope, Brooklyn. I happen to live very close to that store. It's one of my personal favorites in the neighborhood. So this is a real treat for me. Swati, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. I'm from a couple of places. Um, I am of uh, Indian origin, so both of my parents were born and born and raised and moved to the United States when they were in their 20s, and I was born in the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan, and when I was about 11, our family moved um, to North Carolina, to Greensboro, North Carolina, and then I went to middle school and high school in Greensboro, and where I'm actually calling you. We're actually recording this podcast and I'm in Greensboro right now. And then I went to UNC Chapel Hill where um, I studied business administration and art history. And then I um, got a fellowship to do my doctorate in South Asian studies um, at UC Berkeley, but I am actually a PhD dropout and I left with a master's degree because I just realized that, um, and I was actually studying film specifically within South Asian studies and um, also got a film certification. And um, what I realized is that I was not going to be a filmmaker because I didn't like carrying heavy things or super late nights or projects that took, which was great for fashion because like for, um, for those of us that like to just finish a project quickly, um, as we all know that like fashion is fast like we're always constantly producing so um yeah that's like that's my background and so I actually did not go to fashion school even though um I've been working in fashion for now 18 years so yes definitely more than 15 years but you know 18 years and counting and um how I started was that um, my mom had a and she still does an Indian dance school specifically for South Indian dance called Bhartanatyam and so I grew up, um, you know, um, just wearing these beautiful costumes, but my first designs were actually for, um, for dance, for the stage, because at the time, like my sister, I have a sister that um, I danced with, and um, we would sometimes do these things that were slightly more modern than traditional classical dancings. Like when we came, um, when I moved to New York um, in my early 20s, my sister and I were performing all over the city and in the museums, and we would do these things called story dances. And then we wanted to have um, costumes that were um, had a little more, a little less structure. And so those were my first costumes, my first designs. And then a couple of other people started asking me to make and design clothing. And then some of them were really wearable. And... I started getting asked if I could just like make these clothes for them to um, to dress up in. So it was really like not a career that um, I imagined, but 
What I do know is that from a very young age, I had a huge appreciation for textiles and thorough the fact that you also have an Indian background. Um, you know that like, you know, the saris that, um, you know, the women wear at the functions or even at home, like they come from all over India. And so the way that I actually learned the geography of India is when I would open up my mom's sari trunk and she would say, oh, this is from um, Chennai, which was, you know, like, you know, Madras used to be called Madras then, or this is from Coimbatore, it's a Coimbatore cotton, and this is from Benares, and this is from Dhaka, and, you know, Benares, and so it's actually like how I learned the history was like through the textile. So um, by the time I finished my master's and I was traveling around India, I had already, um, you know, with the costume design behind me, I had already like accumulated kind of a veritable a collection of textiles. And um, when I went to India on that trip, like, and this is like basically like 2002 or 2003, I met some weavers in South India and they started telling me the stories about how there were no longer markets for their clothes and that their children were moving to the cities because they didn't feel like they could sustain themselves or they didn't feel like making um, handloom fabrics was that interesting to them. Um, and so it hit me that, you know, if there wasn't a market for these fabrics, that these fabrics would die. And I really, truly believe that textiles have built into them a great amount of history. There's always a story to tell. And I felt like if we start to lose these textiles, we lose a piece of history. We lose a community because, as we know, so many communities actually grew around certain kinds of textile trades. Um, so that's sort of like how I got into it was just like through dance and a love of textiles and realizing because people would stop on the streets or like after a performance that they had a real interest in what I was making that there was an, a business idea in there. And that was about, you know, 18 years ago. Wow. Well, that sounds incredible. And it sounds like a very organic path. Like you kind of just kept following things that you found joy in and that you yeah. And, and I know that um, sustainability is a, is a big commitment for you. Where did that come from? Did it come from meeting the weavers and, and spending time in India? Yeah, definitely. That was one part about it. But there's always been a sense within me that we had to do something about climate change. And I'm not exactly sure when that happened. I remember being in India um, and um, feeling that um, it was it was extremely hot, and then how people used to talk about how much it used to, um, how much cooler it used to be. So my family is from Pune in India, and how how much it had changed, how the city would be so much cooler. And I remember thinking like, well, why is that? And I started just hearing that so much industry had moved in there, and then. Also, just being um, in the United States, um, really just like reckoning with that when we were when we were kids, and like I remember hearing about the oil spills, and there was just this part of me that had it within my DNA um, that really cared about the environment. And um, but when I did meet um, the Weavers, you know, and this is probably like more of like the social part of it than the environmental, although I do absolutely believe the social and the environmental environmental are inextricably connected that um the social part of it was that um 
you know, the Weavers didn't feel like they could get enough money, that they that there were stories about how they weren't being treated properly. And the more I got into the business, I just realized that um, this is a mass industry for huge amounts of exploitation. So from the very beginning, I just really wanted to make sure that I did well by the Weavers. And so um, labor compliancy and like an equitable um, wage and making sure that um, I was working directly with weavers instead of through middlemen to make sure that I could keep a competitive price like made that made that possible so it's always been there and I'm really proud to say that um, from the second that I started designing and started my business sustainability has always been core to what we what we do and you know when I started out people only sort of talked about like you know I think they called it a green fashion or eco fashion and there were designers that were talking so much more about the environment, but, you know, so what does it mean? Like if you're making something that's like totally biodegradable made from organic cotton, but you don't know anything about the transparency and the supply chain about like who is actually making, making the fabric, who's actually sitting at the machine, running that fabric through the machine. And, um, and so it became very impart important to me to start talking about the people that were making the clothing. Um, and I'm so proud that we've just done that from the very beginning since we um, opened our doors. Oh yeah, I love that. And I find myself when I find a small brand going to their website to see if they tell their story and, and kind of talk about the people that are producing their clothes. And I'm, I'm so elated to see that more and more brands are doing that. Yeah, and I feel like it's just so many more that are doing that now than they used to. And for everyone listening out there, if you are working with artisans or partners, talk about them. Tell the story of who they are. Talk about the origins of the fabric or the craft or the embellishment that you're working working with. It helps you not be accused ever of appropriation, but it also pays respect to the history and the culture from which your design has come from. It's so important to do that, especially in these days where um oh definitely to yeah to include the human element absolutely absolutely and the historical element as well um you know we've been doing some work on indigo um i've been doing some consulting on indigo lately and i can't tell you the amount of people that are so surprised about the relationship between indigo and denim for example and um and how indigo if you didn't know like indigo in the united states was like the largest export in the world um, for South Carolina in the 17th and the 18th centuries, which also fed into the denim industry. And so few people know that it was actually like, you know, enslaved Africans and indentured servants that were um, producing indigo that brought those skills to the West Indies that then came to the United States, which actually created the denim industry. And I just give this example just to show like, you just like never really know like the roots of like what it is that you're doing. So um, it's so important. And that's what, I think that's really what I'm most proud of is that we've been so focused on always telling the story behind what we do. So true. And I think when you know the story behind a garment, you treat it better. You, you don't think of it as this disposable thing that you can just throw away. You know, I think you, you try to pass it on or it has a, a live a life to it. Absolutely. And nowadays, like when we're designing things, you know, I call it the afterlife. I think I, I like this. It's my mystical bet, maybe my Indian bet. I like to say I'm a Hindu, not a hippie. But, you know, I think industry terms, they always talk about the end life of the garment. Like what actually happens to that 
you know, what, what happens to the design when you're done with it, that garment. And, and I think it's so important, important for us to be thinking about like the circularity of it, like, where is it going to go? Can it, is it biodegradable? Can it break down with like little off gassing? And so that has become like one of the components to our design that um, we're so focused on as we continue to work with artisans and natural dyers that um, how do we make sure that this is, it's going to have a peaceful transition as it's absorbed into the earth. Right. And for people who are out, out there listening, um, you took your women's wear brand and you opened up a, a brick and mortar shop. What was, what's called Boomki? Uh, where did the idea come from to go into a brick and mortar? And what was that process like to, to make that transition? That's such a good question. Well, Boomki is in its 10th year now. So um, if I look back, thank you. I know, I know. We're super excited. We just... You know, it's like we say, like nine years complete, 10th year running, you know, um, <laughs> for all the South Asians out there. And um, but so I the first iteration of my business was with my eponymous label, Swati Argaday. And um, in 2007 or 2008, we had like a global economic collapse. And I had become very disillusioned with the fashion industry and the way that we're talking about sustainability now, like those conversations weren't happening in like 2007, 2008. So I decided to take a little step back from fashion at that time and to really like focus on how to do things um, in a much more environmentally and socially responsible way. And what I found to answer your question was that there were very few places that were thinking about the social element and sustainability. And I actually, I have issues with that word sustainability, but sustainability because, you know, nothing is truly sustainable when you're making more stuff, right? But like at the time, like I saw there were a couple of other like fashion boutiques and it was all about like eco fashion. And I thought that Park Slope um, was such a great place where there was an open mindset. There was a lot of like progressive thinking that if we could just create a place to have conversations where every single thing in the store had been vetted, um, and to be made, and to make sure that um, the fabrics were um, the were ethically produced, and the people who made them were also treated fairly, and that it would also be a laboratory for my own clothing line. So I also had a lot of friends, and I wanted to who were in the same industry. So I wanted to highlight the work that they were doing. And I also wanted to experiment with um, producing in different places, like in the Garment Center in New York and LA and in India and, and all over the country. Like we were like, there was, there's been several times where we've had goods in our store from over like 20 different countries. So it was really about like having conversations about what, responsible fashion can look like and having a place where we could create community around that. And, um, and I'm so, and that was really the idea around it. And at the time it, it felt risky, you know, because we started to see that retail was really beginning to shift, you know, like fast fashion felt very much newer, you know, like H&M and Zara and, you know, these big, huge brands, um, you know, they'd only been around or just been these like, you know, kind of, you know, the monsters that they are right now, these huge behemoth corporations, like, and, um, and really that's what everybody was wearing. And, um, but I really wanted to shift the conversation to, um, to open up the truth and for people to understand that this was not, this was not the only option for places to shop. If you wanted to find sustainable, like beautiful, stylish clothing, that's totally wearable, that, 
it's possible to do that by supporting a small business um, and to um, and to learn stuff. But we also didn't want to be pedantic and like, you know, um, you know, pedagogical in our approach. We just wanted people to come into the store because they saw something beautiful in the window and then organically to use your word. And we are talking about sustainability to have those conversations and just to be a place where we're open to having them. Right. And from a customer relationship perspective, nothing can really beat having a customer in your store and talking to them and noticing what they gravitate towards. And, and you know, you touched on this when you mentioned community. There's just a different experience when you have a, an in-person shopping experience than when you're buying something online. So true. You know, I mean, I was talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. And, you know, in terms of like fashion as service, that, you know, I just, I really just like love serving my customers and there's nothing that makes me feel happier than when someone tries on one of our pieces and they feel beautiful and confident and smart and, um, and they feel really good. And there's just no way that you can have that same kind of experience um, when you're shipping something to someone and they're trying it on um at home alone you know so i do think that as we come out of the pandemic i think that we are going to have um a a renaissance in retail that you know things are going to be very much focused um and i think they were beginning to move this way before but you know that it's going to be so much about the experience of going into a store like you have to just create something really really special and intimate um that cannot be replicated anywhere else um to have that experience so you know and i feel like if we've survived covid you know that that we can um we can survive this new renaissance and we're totally up for it i live in the neighborhood and i've been to boomkeep many times and I can definitely say it is a very special experience. It also feels very highly curated. You have to go through, you know, a hundred racks of clothing like you would at Zara to find something you love. Yeah, so true. So true. Um, it's totally manageable. Yeah, it's like it's and and you know, we always just try to focus on, you know, customer experience and really trying to like, you know, we've been around for a while now, so we've gotten a very good sense of, of who our customer is. And, you know, and since, because I am also a woman of color, you know, when I, I did open the store, like I wanted to feel seen when I walked into a store. So, and I wanted to feel served and seen. And so that's just been such a huge part of, um, of what we do is making sure that we're really speaking to a very diverse community of people and that everyone deserves um, to feel good in their clothing. I love that. I'm sure that lends, well, that's probably why you've been in business for so long. Um, well, I can, I, let's end with this question. If you go back in time, what would you tell your 22 year old self? What advice would you give her, whether that's career advice or relationship advice that you think would be helpful? I would tell her to um, not be afraid to like take the internship and to just go have like a fun job so you could just go ahead and like have those experiences you know because what I remember like when I was that age I was like oh I have to get like a job and like but I really want to like go work in film production or I'd love to go like intern here but like I can't afford it because you know my parents were like well if you're not going to be like a doctor or a lawyer or whatever and you're going to move to New York and go be like artistic then you're just going to have to like figure it out but I wish that um, I took more of those chances, that I was riskier, that I really just like experimented a lot more with things that didn't feel so safe. 
um, at that age, because I think it's really like the only time that you can do that and in your life where you can take all of those different risks, um, which, you know, Christy, her probably would not agree because she really believes in like that straight and narrow. Christy, if you're listening, I'm really sorry, but you know, that just really into like the career path in this story. But I wish I had had more of like a tasting menu of experiences. Like, you know, while I was working at a restaurant or like waiting tables or whatever it was, you know, to do that. Um, and I just really believe that like you can like, be, and I was so passionate about doing so many things, but I think I was afraid to follow those passions. Like, you know, when I was like straight out of college. Well, it certainly sounds like you found your passion eventually with Boomki. Um, I want to thank you for sharing your story and your career path. This was so fun and enlightening. I hope everyone goes to check out Boomki. It really is a special store in Park Slope. And this was such a pleasure, Swati. Thank you so much, Thoral. And thank you so much, the collab, for having me. Thanks for listening to the Collab Career Stories. Follow us on social media at Join the Collab and join us so you can tell your story.